You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, it's Dan. Just want to let you know, this episode was recorded before the Olivier Vernon trade happened. Obviously on Friday morning, he was traded to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for Kevin Zeitler. We have a podcast with Ed uh, going over what that trade means, so that's why we don't talk about it at all here. Uh, you'll see in the mock draft we do later in the episode, the Vernon trade might change a few things, but I think for the most part, everything sticks the same, but that's just letting you know that it's why we don't talk about it in this episode, we don't bring it up at all, uh, but mostly everything else we talk about in the show should stay the same with regards to that trade and what the Giants' outlook is right now. So thank you guys for listening, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, we, we've got a little surprise for everybody, so I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, we got some fun things coming in this episode. Later on, we are going to do a live mock draft. So we're going to just do uh, a mock draft on a simulation machine. We're going to use the draft network. We're going to run through this together. We're going to talk through who is available on the board. And then we are going to come to a agreement of who we're going to pick. So hopefully that works out and hopefully that's not terrible. It should be enjoyable. We did a quick run-through before this, and it came out pretty well, so we're going to try that. So that's going to be the second half of this episode, but before we get into that mock draft and go into who might be on the Giants in the future, let's start with someone who's not going to be on the Giants in the future, and that is Landon Collins. So since we last came to you, the Giants have decided to not put the franchise tag on Landon Collins. That's something we expected pretty much since Dave Gettleman spoke at the Combine. Our reaction episode to that pretty much stated that it seemed that Collins was not going to be a Giant in 2019. That now officially is the case. No franchise tag, so he's free to test the market. He'll get a lot of money somewhere. So what the Giants have now is a glaring need at safety. They already needed to upgrade from Curtis Riley, but now they need basically two starting safeties to replace Riley and Collins. So we're just going to go over and try to figure out where they could possibly go from here for the safety position to be salvaged in 2019. Yeah, they've got some options in free agency. That has suddenly become fairly crowded. It kind of remains to be seen whether or not the market will be the same as last year or if the number of talented players on the market will drive prices up or just, you know, the NFL being weird will just 
take a 180 from last year. And yet there's some really good safeties in the draft class. That, that was something we noted in our draft wrap-up. That So they at least have options. Whether or not they'll get any options that are as good as Landon Collins, that remains to be seen. Right, and we have to wonder and probably take into account how the Giants value that position. They obviously did not value it very highly last year when there were some safeties available, and they decided to have a competition of okay players, but that included Darian Thompson, that included Andrew Adams. Both of those players were eventually cut, and the job was given to Curtis Riley, who we know was not very good in that role. So, I think the Riley thing should show the Giants they need to invest a little more at that position, but also then the Collins thing shows they don't want to invest too much in the position, and part of what came out from the Collins thing was there were reports that the Giants were concerned about Collins' ability to cover. We went through this. I wrote about it at Big Blue View. His coverage concerns are incredibly overblown, especially when you consider what he had to deal with around him last year. I gave the analogy of Landon Collins was the kid in a school group project who was forced to do all the work. That's what he looked like all the time last year. So I think those coverage concerns were overblown. And then there were some other reports that the Giants and James Betcher want a little more versatility in their safety so you can play both safeties in either position. And obviously you couldn't do that with Landon Collins and Curtis Riley. I I think Collins probably could have done Riley's job a lot easier than Riley could have done Collins. But that's basically on Curtis Riley. So if we're... Thinking about the Giants now are going to value safeties who can cover and safeties who can be versatile and play different parts on the defense, then there's a couple of guys who they could look at. And if you look at free agency, there is a pretty deep class. And then you kind of wonder how the NFL is going to value all those guys because now there is a decent amount. There's the guys on the top of the list. There's Earl Thomas and then... You get to, you know, Landon Collins is going to be there for somebody else, obviously not the Giants. And then you get a little further down, you got the Tyron Matthews and Trey Boston's, uh, and then you get even a little further, and there's still going to be some players who can contribute. So you wonder if some of those guys at the top of the market are going to get those big contracts, or if safety is just a devalued position for some reason, which it really shouldn't be. This this is not running back where you can throw someone in and get the production of one of the top paid guys. Uh, that's just not the case. But if we do look forward into free agency, there are a couple of guys who the Giants can go forward and I think personally, they're not going to sign Earl Thomas. That's just not going to happen. So we're not going to bring him up. Obviously, he would be an ideal fit. You put him back there in the back half of the secondary, and you don't have to worry about it. Earl Thomas covers sideline to sideline. He covers everything. And teams just don't throw deep when Earl Thomas is there. But that's not going to happen. But maybe just a a tier below if Thomas is on a tier by himself. I think it's probably Adrian Amos of the Bears. He played a decent amount of the free safety and he played next to Eddie Jackson. That obviously helped and Jackson was one of the better safeties. Adrian Amos had more pass snaps than any safety 
last year. So he played the pass quite well. He was the best among safeties targeted at least 40 times in yards allowed per attempt. So he can cover the pass. He can also come up and make some plays against the run. He's also at 25. So I think he is the only guy I think I would feel good about being able to replace the value of Landon Collins. Yeah, and you know, that versatility to play the run and play the pass and make plays in both, that does seem to fit what the Giants want to do. But he is not going to be an inexpensive option either. You know, Like you said, he played well on a good defense last year so i don't know that he will be a value option you know maybe less than what landon collins is going to get somewhere but i don't know if he's going to fit in the uh giants self-imposed apparently seven million dollar budget right that'll be a thing and i think if you sign amos it's it's probably going to be around where Landon Collins market value is they're probably going to be about the same value so if the Giants do value the pass defense more I could see possibly going Amos there but you're going to be spending just as much money as you would have on Collins and you're just kind of switching up the responsibility that you are valuing more and if that's the case then fine I can understand not wanting to sign Collins if you're going to sign someone like Amos long term and you want to commit money to that position but just have someone who can defend the pass better fine but I think if you're just going to not pay Landon Collins and then you want to try to get some bargain box safety to to fill in and again just calling Collins a box safety which a lot of people have done really just underrates what Collins does bring to a team but I think a lot of people who watch the Giants regularly will know that and so I think that's really the only big tier guy that would make me feel better about letting Collins go but then you move to you know the next tier and you got guys like Trey Boston who would be a good deep safety although he's played in a lot of cover three which in just playing like the middle part of the field and the Giants played a lot of cover one last year which means Boston would have a little more responsibility from sideline to sideline I still think he's he has good range to be back there he'd be much cheaper than Amos but again not the same level I think you look at Tyron Matthew obviously there's the James Betcher connection there and Matthew struggled a little bit in coverage last year just overall per pass allowed 8.1 yards per target last year which was actually worse than Landon Collins although if you go yards allowed per coverage snap and not per target Matthew looks a lot better my thing about both Boston and Matthew were they were both available last year and the Giants showed no interest in either one of them, even though I do think both of them, Boston has ties to Gettleman, Gettleman drafted Boston, and Matthew played under Betcher in Arizona, so there's the ties there. That made sense last year, so I think both of them are going to be more expensive this offseason than they were last offseason when the Giants didn't really show interest in either one. Yeah, and I think that brings us back to the question of just how do they value the position? How highly does Dave Gettleman value a safety? You know, just looking through his draft history, he's only drafted the one in Trey Boston. And that was in the fourth round of 2014. 
since then they had Kurt Coleman, who he signed as a free agent in 2015 to play the free safety position. And at age 27, three-year contract worth about $5 million a year. But that was basically the biggest investment he's made in safety. So it's just it's just a question of how valuable does somebody who believes in running the ball and stopping the run believe the safety position in general and the free safety in particular are. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. And that's, I think, going to shape a lot of what happens because if they go big at safety and I would say Amos would be who I would target, but you have guys like Marcus Joyner or HaHa Clinton Dix, all of those would, would make sense in in some degree. I think Amos is the best of that group. If they go there, then they, they do have an investment in that position and they are showing that they do just value pass coverage more, which I guess is is fine, and I guess that's a very 2019 thing to think, which is good. It's not necessarily what you would associate Dave Gettleman with. I think possibly more likely is they might not just value that position at all, and they try to just throw something cheap together, and I don't think that is going to help the defense out at all. But you could also maybe look to the draft. I don't know. Maybe they like some guys there. There are some good safeties here. There's you know Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I've talked about a lot. Gettleman said uh, when he was talking to reporters at the Combine that sometimes y- you have to be patient when watching safety film because sometimes they'll go like six games without making a play and you just hope the ball gets thrown to them, which a very weird quote for a general manager to say out loud. Um, yeah. But, Outside of that, you look at Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I also wrote about this when I wrote about who they could take to replace Landon Collins or just safety in general. And Gardner-Johnson might not go six snaps without making a play. So he's someone there. I think then you got the guy like Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Juan Thornhill is maybe a guy who can come later in the draft out of Virginia. Uh, So there are options whether they are going to make up for the value lost for Landon Collins and for whatever you think he doesn't have in pass coverage he makes up for in literally everything else he's great against the run he's a very good blitzer so you have to get that whole thing together so it's going to be real interesting to see what the Giants do there yeah I think when it comes to the draft we should probably look more towards those maybe high day, early day three prospects. You know, they've got the multiple fourth rounders, multiple fifth rounders. That would probably, I think, be about where they look. Uh, and there are some guys there who are, who could be good values. You know, a guy we both like, he might be a little too small for the Giants, but Ugo Amadi out of Oregon. He's got really good movement skills. He can play the ball in the air. I don't think he's afraid of contact at all. Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan, he had himself a good combine. I know I'm going to go ba- go back and take a look at him, you know, very closely. Uh, Mike Edwards out of Kentucky, they have had a pretty good secondary over the last couple seasons, and he kind of caught my eye watching Josh Allen. So there might be some value 
in that range. Yeah, we'll see. There's there's a lot to be done at safety. There has to be something added to the roster. <laughs> the Giants cannot go in as useful as you know, Michael Thomas and Sean Chandler are as either you know third or fourth safeties and on special teams. That's not the duo you want going into the season as you're starting two safeties. So a safety is going to get have to be added at some time this offseason. Yeah. Now there is... And just to say as a transition, there is one move the Giants could potentially make that could free up quite a bit of money and potentially solve some problems for their just team as a whole and to create some room for their uh, defensive acquisitions. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So the quarterback thing, and obviously we, we it doesn't look like the Giants are going to draft a quarterback sixth overall, but... The team drafting number one, the Arizona Cardinals, might draft Kyler Murray, which would put Josh Rosen on the market. Uh, If that is the case, the Giants should absolutely be interested. There's rumors going around that the Cardinals have been either taking calls or if they're not necessarily actively shopping, they're, they're taking offers. And getting Josh Rosen makes just so much sense for the Giants. I would give up the 37th pick in the draft right now. There's rumors that his value is only his value is only a third round pick right now and that's that's bananas. He should be way more than a third round pick. He was the 10th overall pick last year and as poorly as he played last year with an offensive line that was worse than the Giants, like significantly worse than the Giants, a uh, supporting cast that was significantly worse than the Giants coaching staff that was significantly worse than the Giants. You put him there and you trade for him. So if you do that, his signing bonus is already charged to Arizona. So if you trade for Josh Rosen, he counts for like $1.3 million on the cap next year. That is right now less expensive than Will Hernandez's cap hit for 2019. And that's about... $200,000 more than the Giants just re-signed Alex Tanny for. (laughs) (laughs) So to put that in perspective, that's about as cheap as you can get a starting quarterback. So you trade for Rosen, you now put him in the Giants system. You, one, don't need Eli Manning anymore. You already have solved, possibly solved, what you need for the long term. Or you have Rosen so cheap, if he's bad again in 2019, you can cut him with no dead money because all of the guarantees are already gone, or most of them. So you're barely losing money if you want to move on. And if you just want to keep him on the roster as a backup, that doesn't cost you anything. You're literally paying him Alex Tanny money, which is (laughs) insane. So you do that, you can move on from Eli Manning. That's going to free up $17 million. And since you are only spending about less than 1.5 on Rosen, you're opening up $15.5 million just this year to make other upgrades on the roster. So I don't see how that doesn't make the Giants a much better team in 2019. It pushes fast forward on everything they want to do. They want a quarterback who can sit and learn for a year. 
I mean, Rosen didn't sit, but he, he sure learned. And you put him in a better environment with the Giants, and that's only going to help. You put him in Shermer's play-action system. That's where Rosen thrives. And he had some really good throws last year when he had the opportunity to. So if that is an option for the Giants, they have to do it. That It just speeds up everything they're trying to do, and it makes the roster so much better, so much quicker. Yeah, and it's something they should consider even if they didn't particularly like him last year. The economics of it should force them to at least consider it, assuming it is an option from Arizona's point of view. They're the gatekeepers on the whole thing. And just freeing up that chunk of money and making the leap and getting to that next era, that could be huge for the franchise. And as long as they're doing that, they could free up even more money with a few moves we've we've already gone over, such as restructuring Odell. They could cut Red Ellison. If they wanted to have a rainy day fund, they could make Alec Ogletree a post-June 1st cut. We saw last weekend that this off-ball linebacker class is surprisingly impressive and could have some real nice value. They could, if they wanted to, waive Janoris Jenkins, and then they would have the money to go spend on a cornerback who could be an upgrade, not just maybe hope to get lucky out of the scratch and dent bin. You know, hope that Jason Verrett stays healthy. So yeah, that could free up a ton of money, and it's something they should at least consider if it actually is a possibility. I mean, it would almost be negligence to not consider it. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And just the cap savings from getting Rosen for $1.3 million, moving on from Eli, now you have, you already have the plan in place. That's part of the reason you're not getting rid of Eli is because you don't have anything on the roster to replace him. But if you bring in Josh Rosen, you're only paying him $1.5 million. You're already freeing up 15.5 15.5 million so you barely even have to move on from other contracts you, you don't have to restructure Odell his structure now makes sense because of that rookie quarterback that's not taking up any of the cap space you do that it, it's uh, it and just it's, makes it's, so much sense and it suddenly justifies completely Saquon Barkley it does yeah they get their it, cake and to eat it yeah this could be something that absolutely just falls right into the Giants' lap. If you had told anyone last year they could come away from the draft with Saquon Barkley and Josh Rosen, you would think that was a home run. So you do that, and as much as as much value as there could be in the 37th pick, and you could possibly get a pretty good defensive player there, you're not getting anyone with the value of Josh Rosen. Again, this guy was the 10th overall pick last year. There was talk he was going to be a top five pick. There was talk about him being number two overall to the Giants. This guy did not just lose all of his value because he struggled in his rookie year. There were enough flashes that make you think in a better situation he will be a much improved quarterback. And that's something that the Giants should throw out there. So now, if also, if you do that, and Rosen, for me, I'll just throw this out there, would probably be my number two quarterback this year. I would still put Murray ahead of him, uh, but I would easily put Rosen over Haskins right now. So if you do this and you trade the 37th overall pick, and we don't know if that's what it's going to take, 
But if it is, that's what you do because then you trade the 37th overall pick. You get probably the second best quarterback in this class. Arguably for some, might be the first. I would highly doubt he's the third for anyone. And then you still have the sixth overall pick to take probably uh, an impact defensive player. So you have all of those things going for you. It just speeds up the Giants process so much by one simple move that they have to do it. If, if I were Dave Gettleman, well, there were many things that would have been done differently to this point. Uh, but if, if I was in that position, I would be calling Arizona and offering the 37th pick right now. I, I would have called days ago. And I think that that would be a no-brainer for that pick. Yeah, and as you said, even if he is bad, you know, last year wasn't just the wasn't just a function of being in a bad offense on a bad team with a depleted roster. And you can cut him. That's you know, the thirty-seventh overall pick wouldn't be the greatest resource this team has squandered over the last fourteen months. Yeah, it's not bad at all. And if you want to be like, oh, then they wouldn't have a second or third round pick. If you get the sixth overall pick, say it's an edge rusher, you come out of the draft with the edge rusher, Josh Rosen, and Sam Beal in the first three rounds, you still did pretty well. So I just don't see why that shouldn't be an option. And I think they should absolutely explore it. Yeah, and just from an an issue of just straight draft value, you would be trading a second round pick, which for a player you would have four years of control on, which lines up, and a contract that is, as you said, basically a little bit cheaper than what was the second overall pick in the second round last year. Just leaving positional value aside, because we know how Dave feels about that, just lining up the pick for the player, it fits. <laughs> yeah, uh, it makes a lot of sense. The Giants would be instantly better and positioned better for the future with just one trade. So, of course, this is all speculation. We don't know what Arizona is going to do. We don't actually know what Rosen's price tag would be if they were going to trade him. But if that's an option, it's got to be what the Giants seriously look into. So uh, that's going to be what we cover in the first half of this episode. We are going to take a quick break and be back with our live, we're going to do a five-round mock draft. So we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, so we're back. Now we're going to dive into a a quick live five-round mock draft. We're going to use the Draft Network's new mock draft machine so what we're going to do we're just going to run through a draft we're going to pick as the giants uh when the picks go up we are going to discuss who is still available uh we'll give a couple thoughts on the players still available chris and i will try to come to an agreement of who to pick maybe one of us will bully the other into a pick who knows maybe (laughs) that'll be the fun part of of this draft 
and then we're just going to to see how it goes. I think we're going to come to the agreement to start that we're not going to take a quarterback sixth overall, right? Yeah, because th- there have been more than enough mock drafts with the Giants taking Dwayne Haskins at six. Who knows? The machine might not even put him there for us. Yeah, probably we'll see. Will, but it might not. Uh, this thing's get squirrely. Right. So let's see. We're going to get this started right now. Okay, and it's uh, it's mocking me with Kyler Murray still on the board, uh, but we're not yeah. going to do that. It looks like the, the top available players are going to be Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida, DK Metcalf, wide receiver from Mississippi, uh, Montez Sweat, the edge rusher from Mississippi State, and Brian Burns, the edge rusher from Florida. I think we can look at some of the other guys, but I think that would kind of be who we would think about taking. Yeah. So I think if we're just, are we putting ourselves in Dave Gettleman's shoes or just leaving it as us ourselves, our own original thoughts? Let's go with our original thoughts because I don't want to jump into that headspace more than I have to. (laughs) We spent enough time there already. So I think maybe we can leave Metcalf off, just eliminate him off the bat. I'm not going to say the positional value is wrong because just... Adding another weapon is never a terrible idea, but they can't figure out how to use all the weapons they have right now anyway. They, they're almost at the point of diminishing returns. Right. When you talk about what you're looking for in improving any roster, I'm not saying that this is how the Giants look at it, but how really you should look at it in 2019. If you're not improving the pass game or trying to stop your opponent from improving the pass game, you're probably doing it wrong. Uh, so as crazy as Metcalf would be at six, maybe that's not as crazy because you throw Odell, Sterling Shepard, and DK Metcalf out there with Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley, and it actually then does not matter who your quarterback is. But <laughs> we'll say we're not going to go there. So I think it's either going to be Taylor if we want to go offensive tackle or if we want to jump at Edge, Sweat, and Brian Burns? I think of them, I'm going to go with Sweat, because if you're going to get an Edge rusher who is going to be productive and worth a second contract down the line, you have to get A, an elite athlete, and B, a first-round one. And those just happen to line up. You're going to get elite athletes generally go in the first round especially at a premium position like edge yeah the production might go toward burns and i might lean there but i wouldn't be opposed to sweat and i feel like he's probably the most likely giants pick uh, if they had to pick there so we'll go sweat with six overall and we are coming up now on 37th overall in the ideal world this pick has been traded for josh rosen (laughs) um (laughs) So, okay, let's look at what we have on the board right now. We have Noah Fant, which in reality is probably not an option. Yeah, um, he's he's listed at 15th on their, on the Draft Network's board. He, he's probably gone. Right, so, I would say distinct possibility of being a New England Patriot. And so after that, Marquise Brown, a wide receiver from Oklahoma, and Jeffrey Simmons... Uh, interior defender from Mississippi State. Both of them come with injury questions. Then we have uh, Chris Lindstrom, not even going to mention Daniel Jones. Uh, then there's did. 
Dexter Lawrence, interior defensive lineman from Clemson. Mac Wilson, the linebacker from Alabama. Justin Lane, a cornerback from Michigan State. And Greg Little, offensive tackle from Mississippi. This is not a great not a place great to be at 37. This our, board our, did not fall very well. Yeah, our first run through was much nicer. Yeah, uh, so let's just put this. The pick before us, Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State, was taken by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Nasir Adderley was taken 29th overall. So if we were looking for one of those safeties that we talked about earlier in the episode, uh, they were taken. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was taken 21st. So all of the players we would really like. Um, I mean, if this was a real-life scenario, I would take Noah Fant, no questions asked. I would I would figure it out. The Giants yeah. would not do that. Marquise Brown scares me. Not great target yards added. Came into the combine very slight. He obviously has the Frank injury in his foot. That would scare me very much for uh, someone who's supposed to be a deep threat. So I would probably stay away there. That honestly scares me more than the target yards added. Just like you said, he's supposed to be a deep threat. He's not going to out-physical anybody. His whole game is just out-quicking and out-athleting the entire defense. And Liz Frank injuries are kind of scary, especially for a receiver. Of our draw, I think I would go either Chris Lindstrom, interior offensive line Boston College, or Dexter Lawrence. Lindstrom might be my favorite interior offensive lineman. He can pretty much do it all. He can play left guard. He can play right guard. He could probably play center at the NFL level. And the Giants just so happen to need a center and a right guard. Dex Lawrence, he's a good, all-around, solid, classic defensive tackle. He's supposedly a great leader in their locker room. He can penetrate and create pressure. He can create opportunities for other players. So I'm, I could go either way on this one. Okay, uh, so that's cool. Uh, we're gonna win Winstrom here. I think for Lawrence, I want to see more pass rush potential from someone I'd be taking on the interior defensive line. He has that a little bit, but he's more of just the gigantic run stuffer. The Giants don't really need that. I think they need more of interior pressure and to grab someone in yeah, the true. top of the second that doesn't quite bring that at the level they need i'm gonna stay away from that so chris lindstrom is fine with me you probably play center and guard so depending on what the giants do there in 2019 and the future i think probably makes more the most sense yeah Chris Lindstrom is the pick as we now wait for quite a while because the Giants do not have the third round pick, which again, Sam Beal. I feel like we bring that up a lot, but I think we do because so many people just say the Giants don't have a third round pick. Uh, but Sam Beal was was the selection and the corner is going to be a position of need. So they have someone who wasn't on the active roster last year. So that is going to make an impact. The Giants didn't just lose a third round pick. Okay, no. so oh, and we're up we again. come up now in 108th overall. Right now, we have some interior defensive linemen and a whole bunch of running backs. So Draymond Jones is the top player on the board right now. Uh, I'm going to be honest, not... if he's there, I would probably run to that. I like I Rennell Wren, also interior defensive lineman from Arizona State. 
I would take Wren over Jones. I did not like what I saw from Jones at the combine. It, it always worries me when you see an athletic freak who just is not athletic. He kind of tripped the uh, Mike Adams alarm I had from the Ohio State offensive tackle from a few years back. I did notice Tristan Hill is still on the board there. He's a little ways down, but he put on a show. Yeah, so if we're going to be looking at interior defensive line, which it looks like just the way the board has fallen, that makes the most sense. Uh, so if we're looking at Spark, yeah, Tristan Hill was in the 80th percentile. Rennell Wen was in the 78th percentile. So you've got two pretty athletic guys there. Rennell Wren from Arizona State, a little bigger at almost 6'5 and 3'18. He does have that pass rush ability from the middle. Uh, we talk about Draymond Jones a little bit. He came in at just, yeah, the 25th percentile of Spark, uh, which again, if you're not familiar with Spark, we have brought it up, is just a composite score for all of the combine testing, just into one number and then put out as a percentile. So yeah, I'd, I'd be good with Ren here. I think that makes sense. That gives them more of the defensive line rotation that they want you mix him in with bj hill dalvin Tomlinson. i think he can play next to either one of those guys so i think ren's a good pick here yeah they would just have to go in with into that knowing that there would be some transition and development to be done for him he played almost exclusively for some reason i don't know colleges occasionally just make weird choices as a heads-up nose tackle and played basically out of a four-point stance the whole game. So while he has a ton of upside, there is go- there would be some work to be done. Now, they do have B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson, so it's not like they would be relying on him right away. And as a fourth-round pick, you can kind of stomach that. Yeah, it's it's somewhere on the board where you're not expecting him to be a starter. He doesn't have to jump right in and make an immediate impact. You get guys in, in the third and fourth round in these mid rounds. You're just looking for someone who can contribute at some point. So w- with Ren playing in that kind of weird you know, nose tackle, he didn't have as many pressures as you would like, but I, I think he has that ability uh, if you move him around and get him into the right position, uh, which I, I think still brings brings some upside. So right now, now we're in pick 132. This is the fourth round. As we look here, uh, I'm not sure if we can have any discussion about this. I think you know where I want to go if you're looking at this board. Yeah, on the board, we have uh, Tyree Jackson, quarterback out of Buffalo, Antoine Wesley, wide receiver out of Texas Tech, Trevion Williams, running back out of Texas A&M, and Ben Banigue, edge rusher out of TCU. Dan obviously wants to go with Tyree Jackson, quarterback out of Buffalo. Yeah, obviously. I've been (laughs) super big on Tyree Jackson and wasting mid-round picks on quarterbacks who aren't going to develop. Uh, No, so we're we're just going to take Ben Benigu here, or Benigu. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. I should. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. Number one edge class in Spark. Tied for third in pressures among this edge class. Tied with Josh Allen for the most quarterback hits. Athleticism and... And production, you put those together, that is a great rotational edge piece, especially in the fourth round. I know we already took an edge, but you can never have too many edge rushers. Uh, So I think his value right here is way too good to pass up. 
Agreed. And it puts you in a situation where you can go back to just sending waves of just hyper-athletic pass rushers. The Giants could send, at least for right now, Olivier Vernon and Montez Sweat and Benogu and then Lorenzo Carter. And you've got three guys there who are just spark monsters. And then on the inside, you've got B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson and now Renal Wren. So at least the front end of the Giants' pass rush is suddenly a lot healthier than it was. Yeah, absolutely. So now we've moved on to pick 142 in the fifth round. We have back-to-back picks here, 142 and 143. The way we look Uh, at the board, still a bunch of running back. There's some wide receivers. Demarcus Lodge, who I would stay away from, negative target yards added. That is a huge red flag for me. We have Daniel Wise, interior defensive lineman from Kansas. He's a guy I like, but we... I think we've done a pretty good job reinforcing the front seven. Yeah, I think so. We can probably look elsewhere. Keyshawn Johnson, wide receiver from Fresno State. Anthony Johnson, wide receiver from Buffalo. We've got a few uh, kind of intriguing wide receivers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting place to go, especially this late in the draft. I think you could you could take a flyer on a guy, and as we're looking at... What the Giants have done, they took a kind of committee approach at the third wide receiver last year. They just gave a original round tender to Corey Coleman because he was a former first round pick. That means anyone who would give him an offer sheet would have to give up a first round pick if the Giants don't match. And no one is giving up a first round pick for Corey Coleman. So he is definitely going to be back for the Giants. He gave, I think, a little more uh, promise on special teams than he did as a receiver last year. But I still think you can grow that receiver room, especially when there's really no one there. I think looking at it, Anthony Johnson kind of catches my eye. So he's 6'2". He came in 8th in target yards added, and that was in Buffalo with Tyree Jackson. Uh, So he was still really the option there and still added quite a bit to that offense. And I like... I honestly forget who has said it, but I like the philosophy of building your wide receiver room kind of like a basketball team and just having different sizes and skill sets in there. You have Odell Beckham, who's, you know, LeBron James or James Harden and kind of (laughs) do anything. Uh, You have Sterling Shepard, who's the smaller guy who excels in the slot, but can also play outside. If you add a taller guy like Anthony Johnson, I would not be disappointed in that. You can have him be a a red zone threat. Uh, He can still get open deep down the field. I mean, that's basically all they did at Buffalo was Tyree Jackson throwing bombs. I think that's where I would go because really none of the other receivers or and the interior defensive line prospects at this point, uh, there's a lot of running backs, but the Giants do not need a uh, running back at this point. Uh, so I think just based on the board, I think that's where I would go. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Also, you know, depth wide receivers, they can help out on special teams. They've got a lot more like defensive backs late in the draft. They've got a lot more utility than just their role on the offense or defense. So yeah, I, I like that pick. All right, so we'll do that. And that was pick 142. And now we're on the clock again at 143. I think I might want to go defense here and look at maybe go down with some of the cornerbacks. 
the possibly, uh, Montre Hardage from Northwestern, Kendall Sheffield from Ohio State, Isaiah Thompson from Houston. I think he is a developmental guy I am intrigued by. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Johnson, he, he caught my eye at the combine. You know, he's a long corner. I think he's like 6'2 and has 33-inch arms, something like that. And we've both gone back and looked, and that is a definite trend for both James Betcher and Dave Gettleman. They like just tall, long-armed corners. Yeah, although now that I'm looking at it, uh, Derek Beatty might take my eye there instead. Listed at 6'3", he allowed 39.1% of passes toward him to be completed last year per Sports Info Solutions, of 4.59 yards allowed per target, which was one of the best in this class. So I I might switch my allegiance here and and go Beatty over Johnson. I I like both of them. Like I said in the first half of the show, Kentucky had a nice secondary. And I wouldn't be opposed to either of those guys. I think they both have some good upside and they have a, I think the chance at least to develop into a player. All right. So we're going to grab Derek Beatty, quarterback from Kentucky at 143. So I believe we have one more pick in this draft. That's going to be at the end of the fifth round. So we're coming up on now pick 171. So we have so far, we've hit edge, we've hit interior defensive line, we've hit the interior of the offensive line, wide receiver, cornerback. I think one place that's maybe left as I look at the board here might be linebacker. Say linebacker or safety. What do we got? I do not like the safeties. Yeah. Okay, but uh, just for those of you who can't see the screen, safety is not pretty. I do like uh, Ben Burkhoven at linebacker, linebacker out of Washington. Yeah, so we talked about him in the Who Impressed Us during the Combine. Ben Burkhoven came out as one of the most athletic off-ball linebackers in this class uh, per Spark. He came in sixth in the 82nd percentile in Spark, so he is quite rangy. And he was, when I did my pre-Combine top five, he was my number three inside linebacker. I'm probably much higher on him than a lot of people are, and I think we can see by where he's ranked here and that he still falls in the fifth round. So if you can get him at, at this point, and I think at, at the end of the fifth round, you got special teams component in there. I think he'd be good there. I think he could play as uh, an inside off-ball off linebacker on the field. So I, I think we, we go with him. That makes the most sense, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, he's a guy I like. Ben Burkirvan and Blake Cashman for day three. I, I love both of those guys for the Giants. You can see on tape, they're both extremely instinctive, smart guys who play fast. They don't really waste a whole lot of motion hemming and hawing. They just, their first step is generally towards where the ball is going to go. And they both tested extremely well, which is something the Giants need in the middle of their defense. 
Yeah, absolutely. Speed and athleticism is something to try to bet on. Now, at this point in the draft, you can just get someone who's super athletic. Uh, you just kind of hope for the best and hope they can contribute because in the fifth round, that's basically all you can hope for. So that ends our draft. We're only going to go five rounds because, again, the, the sixth and seventh round are kind of crazy at this point, um, both in regards to the prospects we know and have evaluated and really how the draft machine works. It's pretty much just going to be like running backs and wide receivers listed as the best available uh, and that doesn't really serve any purpose so let's just quickly go over who our draft came up with so six overall we went montez sweat edge from mississippi state 37th overall chris lindstrom interior offensive line from boston college 108 Vernell wren interior defensive line from arizona state 132 ben banigu edge from tcu 142, Anthony Johnson, wide receiver from Buffalo. 143, Derek Beatty, cornerback from Kentucky. And then 171, Ben Burkirvin, linebacker from Washington. I think we hit pretty much anywhere the Giants really need something. Obviously, we talked that we were going to ignore a quarterback. Uh, that's still an elephant in the room in many different places. So, I, But I think in terms of that, the only thing we didn't really come away with was an offensive tackle. That's probably something they're going to do in free agency, but getting Winstrom in the middle, I think, helps that a lot, just solidifying that interior. Uh, we also didn't get a safety, but that, that might be something done in free agency also. So I think in terms of what the Giants need, doubling up on edge, I think gives them the rotation. Ren in that interior defensive line gives them another rotational piece there in the interior. Uh, so I, I think we did fairly well. Yeah. You know, I would have liked to have been able to grab a safety, but as you said, that's something that hopefully you know, there is a good talent pool of free agent safeties. Hopefully they can pick up one or two maybe they could use Beatty as kind of a rover maybe like how Steve Spagnuolo used Dominique Rogers Cromartie back in 2016 Beatty has the size to be able to play a role like that I'm really happy to get Sweat and Minogu just the two most athletic edge rushers in the draft are giants in this scenario yeah, James yeah. Betcher did a lap around the draft room after after we came around with that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's happy. <laughs> yeah, so it's so yeah. not not bad there in depth. Obviously, there was there was the safety run early that stopped us from getting one at thirty seven, but I don't think that is as big of a deal if there's something done in free agency. Uh, so that's our draft. We will we will post this in the in the show notes and in the post that's going up with this. We'll, we'll give the results so you guys can see that. Are you about it? Tell us how we did, how we did everything wrong. Yeah, that's fine too. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. It was kind of fun to to just talk that out as we did it. So we're just gonna end the episode there. Free agency next week. We'll talk about that a little bit and still more draft stuff. We're hitting the the bulky part of, of the offseason where things actually happen and then they don't happen for quite a while. Um, so we're excited for that. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review if you have not. It helps us out greatly. Read our work on bigblueview.com. Um, Follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. Follow Big Blue View on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.